0: Welcome to Against the Grain, with your host, Freddie Roman, Guy Dunlap, and myself, Justin DePama. Guy and Freddie, how are you guys doing this week?
1: All
2: right, man.
0: We're doing awesome. That's awesome. That's good. What's happening in the shop, Guy?
2: What's happening in my shop? Let's see. Well, I'm still working on my shop cabinets. It's slow going, man. I, I, I'm i just not used to building cabinets, and it's just- They look good, though. Thank you, thank they you, but it's just, taken, it's just taken me forever. I, I built the uppers last week, and, and this weekend I, I had to get them up on the base cabinets, and I tell you what, man, that one big one was, I don't A know, bear. maybe 75 to 100 pounds. And I could, I could not get it on top of there because it was just so bulky. I had to have my wife come and help me, who's, you know, five foot nothing, 120 pounds. And uh, <laughs> after about a half hour, we finally managed to get it up on top there. But uh, and I damaged some of it, you know, a little bit of the edge, you know, the, the veneer here and there. But it, it's a shop cabinet, and it still looks really nice. So I'm pretty happy with it. I got the all my uh, media stuff in there, you know, my... my access point, my TV, and my stereo system, so I'm just getting ready to start doing the uh, doors and drawers for it, and moving on from there.
0: Cool. Looks good. You have all your hardware and everything picked out?
2: I actually have all my hardware ready. I I bought it before I even started, so... Smart um, man. The the poles on the top are going to be the same as they are on the bottom. They're like a black uh, wire pole, hmm but the drawers that are going the drawers that are going on the upper are going to have three inch while the ones on the bottom are four inch so there's a little okay. bit of difference there but it's pretty close to the same thing
0: good good freddie what are you working on this week
1: uh this week i'm going to be starting a couple entry doorways that i have to restore for a boston brownstone i got it from a contractor called ryan tuttle in in boston and I got a dining room table that's kind of have that reclaimed look even though it's not really reclaimed it's just going to be pine that's just recently sawn from a really old sawmill up the street here in Littleton called Parley Lumber. So I'm going to be gathering the material for that and then, you know, finishing odds and ends for the MIT chairs which I'm still working on and, you know, finishing up some chairs that I have for a client. But It's hot as hell up here, so it's kind of tough to kind of do any finishing. So the humidity's been a little bit of a challenge. You know, I'm trying to keep things cool and have good airflow, but that's just part of the game.
0: Good. How about you, Justin? I am doing the same thing as Guy, working on cabinets. I spent the day sanding doors today. Uh, That went well. And then I went and looked at a couple jobs last week. I went and looked at a come to find out it was a guy that i went to grade school with uh how he found me i don't know but he had no idea it was me that we actually went to school but we reconnected up in philly he's looking at he's buying a house just a beautiful granite house uh, but it needs a lot of work but it's gorgeous house um and he there's some architectural millwork on the outside that needs some repairing and a couple other things in the house so um awesome i did yeah no it's it's a really neat project uh it's a big project for him and I let him know that just gave him some advice on some things and he's aware of it so it was cool. I wish him best of luck and then uh my dad is a contractor he gave me a rush job for a customer that needs something done right away, which is the last thing I needed more mm-hmm. pull my hair out but it, it's it, in the long run this customer will be a good customer for me so I took it on a That's That's job
2: small job
0: uh it's an okay it's it's a vanity and then there's two little three little built-in cabinets that go in there as well mm-hmm. which the vanity is the part that has to be done right away the other parts we can i can take a couple extra weeks to do but yeah is it, is it all
2: paint grade
0: yes which helps. It, it everybody says that i don't think so anymore it's to get because it's like doing an automotive finish paint grade it's just so much prep work to get it so nice yes i mean it's it's i'd rather do a stain and clear finish anymore than paint just mm-hmm. because there's so much prep
1: it's true it's That's just it. like so much prep, and but then you know you have to also make sure i feel for me anyway like when i spray latex or something you know you have to make sure that you don't put too much of a film finish especially if you're spraying and then you know, all these concerns of sanding and making sure it's nice and smooth and top coating that, especially if it's in the bathroom, so that the moisture won't be an issue. So there's so many factors involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm spraying lacquer. So you, you spray it thick and you're basically just kind of get it look nice and smooth and like glass.
1: What kind of lacquer?
0: This is okay. water-based lacquer as well.
1: Mmm, so, water-based lacquer.
0: Yeah. All right. So you guys want to get into this week's show topic? absolutely we're going to talk about education past present and future um i think the idea about kind of a little bit along the roads what we've we've come which we've talked about before in past episodes and what we would suggest to i I don't know what to say a newbie but somebody really looking to get into this and just maybe go down this path that we've all gone down so who would like to go first
2: i guess i guess i will um i back when I first started doing this thing, you know there was really not much out The only thing it really was was books, books and magazines, and even the magazines there wasn't that much out, so almost everything I learned was from actually mostly magazines um, not youtube, not youtube um oh. most of the YouTube. most most of the communication that we used at that time were were fires and blankets. We sent smoke signals to each other, <laughs> so it was very hard to communicate woodworking joinery over over something like that. So, yeah. but um, anyhow, be-
0: better for distress. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was a, a subscriber of a fine woodworking, you know back in like 84 85 i think was when i first started getting the magazine and uh that really opened my eyes up to quite a few things before that i was just making a lot of you know i was a hack you know what can i say I, some people would say i still am a hack but uh, that's where a lot of the education i hear it <laughs> i wish i wish i was that kind of hack um <laughs> but uh Almost everything came from from fine woodworking, and then you know a little bit of wood magazine for the simpler stuff. Um, there was another magazine too, uh, American Workshop or American Craftsman, American Woodworker, Woodworker. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, and that that was around for a while. But um, you know, there was a couple people that I that I learned from locally that I did some stuff with here and there. But mostly it was just all magazines, and then when the the Internet started becoming more popular, you know, you could find stuff online. Um, there's a lot of forums, um, discussion groups. And then, of course, YouTube started really happening. And there was a lot. There's a lot of information on YouTube, uh, some of it good, a lot of, a it, lot bad. of it bad. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still a lot of information out there. and. Uh, I, th- I think for uh, somebody trying to get into this craft, um, there's just so much available to them now that there wasn't available when when I first started. Uh, there's a lot of classes and stuff, a lot of schools, uh, which I never went to. Um, I think I've taken I've taken two woodworking classes in my in my life, and both were conducted by Freddie Roman. Oh, were you really? <laughs> Yeah, that was my first time I had ever been to a woodworking class, Freddie. Oh,
0: Jesus, not good. Yep, we've come full circle.
2: Yeah, Yep. Well, I, I shouldn't say that you were the second one. I, I, I had done a one with a Alf Sharp mm-hmm. earlier in the day, so that was my first woodworking class.
1: Oh, that was in Woodworking America.
2: Woodworking America. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. First time I'd ever heard anybody really speak about it. Um, there are some local stuff here. Actually, I'm very close to the Mark Adams School of Woodworking, um, mm-hmm. which I've heard very good things about. Um, but I've just, I've just never gone. I've never really had the time. The, the, the you know, I had a full time job for years, and um, you know, I couldn't go during the week. And on the weekend, I wanted to be in the shop. Mm-hmm. I was always building something.
0: If you had the opportunity, guy, would you have? Would you have taken a class now? if you can go back and tell yourself to take a class
2: yes if they were available you know 25 years ago which i'm sure there they were but just not in my area in the midwest right. yeah. um there was stuff out on the east coast of course but uh, again you know when you have a full-time job and you're you know you have a family and stuff you just can't pick up and go to the east coast for a month or a week for that matter uh it was it was a lot it was a lot tougher back then you know, no indoor yeah. plumbing, things like that. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if I if I had to do it over again, I would. And it, and even now I look at some of the stuff like uh, Mark Adams has, and there's a lot of just general woodworking classes that they offer there, just like there are, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the Furniture Institute of Mass and stuff like that have, um, which is just general joinery classes and things like that. And I think if I was just starting out, I think that's, those are the kind of classes that I think I would benefit most from, or a new woodworker would, uh, to learn the classical way to do things. Not necessarily the right way, but just the most widely accepted way of doing things from somebody that's an expert at it. And then move into you know project-type classes. So, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Fred? You've taken a lot of classes. Would you, Do you think a, a general woodworking class or a project class is the best way to start?
1: Well, I think there's a couple options, I think, and there are different approaches you can you can go. Either you can go ahead and try to do to a school or a tennis school that, that offers a full-time program, say, like North Furniture School or the Furniture Institute, mm-hmm. that are like two-year programs, potentially three-year now, and you can go through the whole process of you know drafting and furniture making and a variety of different techniques of making a small table to a tool chest. Uh, You know, they also offer a chair workshop or a a footstool workshop, and then you can do more advanced, more technical, and larger projects as you advance through the school. But I think like anything else, it's just so darn expensive, especially today, and it's such a huge dedication. You know, two years, Who can dedicate two years today. And um, unfortunately, most of these programs are not like colleges. They don't give you student loans, and some of them don't offer financial aid or anything like that so it becomes very difficult unless you have the money saved up so for me i think project classes at certain levels are very beneficial so if you come in green maybe a hand tool fundamentals classes would be very good but you know mm-hmm. if you come in green i'm not telling you to go ahead and take the bombay Chester drawer class because you're never going to excel and then you're just going to run away which i've seen that it's like someone comes in it's like oh i've done woodworking you know i've seen norm on tv and i was like well it's a totally different animal so I think if you go to classes at your skill level, then progress as you get more you know, bench skills. I think workshops are really good, but like I tell many people, you have to be aware of the instructor because there's so many instructors out there that think they're great teachers, and unfortunately they're not. I mean, half of them are great, but there's many that are not. I can't say half, and you can't hold me against the number. But there's been classes that I wish, you know, I ha- I could get my money back. And there, I was very disappointed. And I had high hopes. And I think the issue is is that because an individual is great as a teacher, it doesn't mean they're great as an instructor. So you kind of have yeah. to be cautious. And I strongly believe that, you know, I don't want a student to be who just graduated to teach me. I want someone who's gone out in real life and realized that, yes, I learned the great fundamentals in school. But let's be realistic here, you know, there's other ways to do things. There's a reason why there's a domino today and there's a reason when you should use a mortiser or use a router for mortising. So I think a diverse person who has a lot of real-life experience with a solid foundation is very beneficial for everyone.
0: I think I'm going to throw this in two different ways. So if you were a younger person, uh, let's say fresh out of high school or something, right? hmm If you could afford to go to... North Bennett Street or, or the Furniture Institute, go, without a doubt. Definitely take the opportunity to go. I, I, I've said it before, I'm amazed to see what kids that barely know what a chisel is to go there, and then two years later, they're at the point where they can almost build museum-quality furniture. The, the other route is if you can't afford it and you think you want to do furniture making, first off, you, you somehow got the bug. So the, you must be doing something with tools. My thought is just to get a better foundation for learning how to use tools and everything, either work in a cabinet shop or go get a construction uh, job. It, it'll it'll give you a general idea of what you're doing around wood. Mm-hmm. And part of me says it's because I came from a background that, that worked that way. It it takes the right person to have the drive to figure the rest of it out, right? I mean, I figured it out without any schooling. I, I've only taken one class in my whole life, and that was a carving class with Alan Bree, and that was it. Everything else has been self-taught or watching other people or reading or watching videos. I, I've figured it all out, and i that's just the type of person I think I am. But I, I think you can learn a lot just by working in the field and learning through other people as they do the job as well, which technically schooling probably is, but mm-hmm. you're getting paid this way instead of paying somebody else to teach you, right? Yes. Because essentially— so, when... Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I've I've seen some of the the now just talking about furniture here, Justin. I've seen some of the pieces that you've built before, and they're really really impressive. I mean, that was all self taught from magazines, videos, combination of both, or or what? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah. All the the period stuff I built was just a matter of once I figured out how they do it and it was learning and learning more and more as i go but once i figured out how they do it yeah i mean i just figured out how to do them joints uh i Mm -hmm. i'm not a great i don't cut great dovetails but i figured out the idea how to cut a dovetail and how to make it look pretty good that it's acceptable to get by and it's it's a nice looking dovetail right um Mm -hmm. and it took practice just like anything with anything it's going to take practice you're going to do a lot of mistakes you're going to you're going to build a lot of ugly furniture before you learn to build some nice furniture. So.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's what I was talking before, too, about, yeah. you know, let's say a joinery class versus a project class. And, um, you know, once, once you get the joinery down and, you know, a way that you can do it that works well for you, a lot of furniture pieces, it's just a design. Most of the joinery is very common throughout.
0: Oh yeah, it's there's a lot of mortise and tenon, and a lot of dovetails. It's, yep. That does a lot of stuff with all that. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna build a career on that. So
2: yeah, exactly. So once you get those fundamentals down, I mean, it's just a matter of knowing where to use what, and yeah. and the benefits of using one versus the other in a certain type of uh, situation. You find yourself in when you're building something.
0: Now, uh, back to my second half of the the answer you're a person with a career let's say that Uh, you have a job and everything but you want to pick up furniture making or something then I say go the route that Freddy is go take a weekend class somewhere or fundamentals class will teach you that how to do basic joinery and how to handle your tool and all sharpening I always come back to saying you need to learn sharpening but from there you can then take harder and harder classes and then from there hopefully You'll get the bug and you'll just want to do it on your own. And then you just teach yourself, right? Yep. To an extent. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it all comes with passion, a lot of it, more than anything. but
1: Yeah, a lot of it is passion because, unfortunately, if you think you're going to do this for a living or you want to make furniture on the side or something as an amateur woodworker, which we we constantly are using that term incorrectly these days. You know, an amateur woodworker basically wants to have a full-time job and, you know, get the benefits of making something on the side. And I I believe that it's all about practice. And unfortunately, yes, we're talking about practice. And you have to kind of just dive into it, not be scared. Like so many people, their most like biggest hiccup or concern is they're going to fail. You know, they need to just understand that it's just wood. The goddamn thing grows on trees. So just go ahead, tackle it, leave the material a little longer if they screw up. If not, great. If they did, you got that extra length.
0: Right here. I'm sure we all do that, oh, you're amazing at what you do or how you you do this so well and everything. And I look at people and I just tell them, no, just take your time and go do it. You just have to do it. That's what it comes down to. And then you'll be great at what you're doing. Um, It's not rocket science, I can tell you that.
1: Well, one of the things that I like about going to certain classes or or taking classes from certain um, instructors is that if they're somewhat classically trained or they have developed a great eye, I feel that in the world today, we're losing a lot of information, we're losing a lot of techniques or visual proportions or someone who can actually express to you why things look a certain way, why a house looks a certain way, why molding looks a certain way, why certain things in the world are the way they are. So I believe taking a class from someone who is very skilled and who has established themselves and who has established themselves in, in their hand skills and their drawing skills is very beneficial because... Not only are we talking about furniture, you know, the same thing goes with preservation carpentry or finished carpentry, which I also truly love. You know, being able Mm -hmm. to manipulate, you know, moldings or, you know, outline a house and make it look more beautiful, more grand. There's still something special about that. There are obviously two different set of tools that you need from furniture making to finished carpentry. But overall, you know, you get a solid foundation of how to use the tools properly and what's involved. And there's a certain technique. And with finished carpentry, you got to have a lot of skill. you got to be able to deal with all the angles that the walls or floors give you or things have moved. And you have to compensate for all these things. So if you have that skill, you can almost quickly jump into furniture making as well.
2: Yeah, I give a lot yeah. of credit to, to finished carpenters because, you know, when you're making a piece of furniture, it's – it's like you said before, Justin. It's not rocket science to get something, you know, pretty decent and make something square and level and things like that. But in a house, nothing is square, nothing mm-hmm. is level, and being able to to get that molding to fit right or to, you know, the the, the trim on the outside of a house to, to to look right and fit right, and there's a lot of skill in that. I, I have a I, really I, hard time with it. Myself. I <laughs>
0: I trimmed houses for ten years, right? I I could probably count on both hands how many times a forty five degree miter was actually a forty five degree miter. It's it's a miter, but it's not forty five. It's mm-hmm. always they're rarely ever that. Yeah. It's just and people don't understand that and that's why you see sometimes when you see trim in a house or somewhere's it's there's a gap. It's because somebody just thought it was a forty five and they put it together and it's not that. Yeah. But another subject.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. but it,
0: it, along with what you said, guy, and that's that's how I kind of parlayed what I did in the construction industry over to furniture making was I had the general idea of what it took to make something go together and, and to make it nice or is that sound right yeah. but I knew what a nice piece of furniture or nice nice work looked like let me put it that way quality work um, and that's how I rolled it into what it is it was just a matter of me learning different techniques just keep coming back it comes back to the passion if you want to learn you'll figure it out you'll you'll just you'll get so entrenched in wanting to learn it that you'll do whatever it takes to figure it out um i don't go through life right now with blinders on but i can tell you i'm not seeing the whole picture yet because there's still tons of things i need to learn and techniques and it's there's things that are coming in new every day that i just i see and want to learn about
2: yeah it's, it's,
0: it's always a learning process
2: well, you know, that's, that's another part of this conversation we're going to have is what, what we're doing now to, to help further our, our education and, and our skill level. Um, do you want to start out with that, Freddie? Sure.
1: So when I graduated from the furnitures Institute, what I did was I decided to go to a kitchen cabinet shop. And for me, that was a, the best decision I ever made because the shop was so huge that you, his the owner's mentality was, he needs to be able to rotate a cart of sixteen foot lumber three hundred and sixty degrees without without hitting any machines. So you can imagine this is like ten thousand square feet at least, and basically, the, he had a production that needed to be satisfied every day, and you couldn't just walk to these machines because you'd take forever. So you actually had to physically run into these machines because it's just so far apart. But what that did for me is like it helped me pick up speed, helped me just quickly work on my feet, quickly adapt, especially when you have all these different machines around and not everything's square and you don't have proper you know, zero clearance inserts or push sticks. You have to kind of adapt and be aware of safety. So that's one way of you can approach it, just like jumping in in real life on, on on-site work or a cabinet shop. And the other thing I've done was take classes as I've gotten experience and studied certain individuals I realize that, you know, someone like Don Williams on finishing or someone like Patrick Edwards in San Diego who does marquetry, these guys are masters on that aspect of the world. So for me, I don't want to waste my time with someone playing or starting to work with marquetry. I want to go to the guy who's mastered it. So taking classes from individuals like this that I've mentioned are very beneficial because you get to learn a lot. And also what I did was I kind of just studied them and read their articles and kind of get a better understanding of the technique. So I feel that you have to be willing to spend some money, because unfortunately this is very expensive to take classes and invest in traveling, but really focus on what you want to get out of it or what aspect of woodworking you want to concentrate on. So those are the things I really try to focus on after.
2: Yeah, you have to balance the, in, the investment versus the uh, return on that investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: I... I will also say, you brought up a really good point, Freddie, and I I tend to forget it, but coming from a construction background, I learned you basically have to do everything fast, right? It's always about progress. Boom, 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 boom. And when I would go to the schools up in Boston and everything and see the kids there, that was all about slowing down and learning it properly, and then you would get fast. So I would see them do things It's just like they dilly-dally around between the process, right? And that would Mm. drive me nuts which is, it, it, it's good and it's bad because it teaches you to just take your time and think what you have to do. Once you learn how to do it right, you'll get faster at it. I totally agree with that. You, If you get on a shop floor or on a construction site, it is just boom, 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 boom. It's all about just doing it as fast as you can. I brought that into my shop when I started. So there's things that, I can do some things very fast, and people are like, how'd you do that so fast? i I don't know. You're just not, I'm always moving around. Because <laughs> I've done it a million times. Yeah, I've done it a million times. Or that was the other thing I always used to get. No wonder you're so thin, because I'm just running around all the time, right? But, yeah. And I'm not telling people that you need to be fast in anything. I I That is one of the number one things that I tell people that when they see me do things so fast or whatever, like, don't worry about how long it takes me to do it. Worry about just getting the job done and then yeah. you'll get faster and you will and you'll learn how to cut corners and do little shortcuts at you here yeah, and there
2: well, fast, is, fast is great but it's also got to be done right i see a lot of people right. that, that rush through things and their skill level isn't that high but i just got to get it done now and you look at it and it's like Eesh, really patience yeah and that's what patience is everything yeah, yeah and that's... you know like i said speed is nice but being a craftsman and and for what what i'm trying to do being a craftsman is 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 more important than the speed uh if it takes me an extra four or five hours on a a project or an extra day on a project so be it but if it's if if my name is going to go on it i want it done right
0: 100 percent right yeah I've, i've said this before where there's there's a lot of jobs where i've done where i've lost money because it needs to come out right, not because I need to get it done. And that's, mm-hmm. that's key to but those,
2: everything. But those are, you know, and then that, that's when you, you sit back and you, you think about what took you the extra time. And mm-hmm. the next time, hopefully you won't make those, those same decisions that, you know, extended the job to where it, it wasn't as profitable as it should be. Right. And that just comes with experience. You know,
1: well, you're going to fail in the beginning. You know, it's unfortunately, you know, it's just part of the case of being in business on your own or trying to, you know, bid on a job. The only way you can do anything is just to go ahead and try to calculate everything. And then sometimes you almost have to say to yourself, if this is going to take eight hours, if you feel comfortable saying that to yourself, then you automatically say 16 because unfortunately something's going to happen. There's a hiccup somewhere. Or, you know, you obviously have to add some profit into that. Or you can say you want more money per hour. And in case you do screw up, Right, things do take longer, well, instead of making $100 an hour, now I'm making 50 So in the end, 50 is still pretty good, depending on the overhead, but at least you're not totally losing your shirt, which is something everyone needs to consider if they're going to try and do this for a living.
0: Yeah, yeah I, it, we, we just keep going back to that that foundation. You need to learn that the fundamentals of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how would you tell yourself to do something different in the future from what you learned already?
1: Okay. So what I would do differently if I could, like, go back in time and say, you know, be aware of these X, Y, and Z. Basically, I would buy a lot less tools because, you know, you 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 know you fall in love with collecting. And, you know, next thing you know, you have four or five number fours. And you have all these chisels. And it's just kind of like, you know, just really You're hoarding. everyone says, I, I, you know. Oh, I, always thought, there,
2: I always thought whoever had the most toys wins. No.
1: Nah. So yeah. what I think about people people <laughs> out there that you know okay. buy what you can afford you know and then you then kind of upgrade from there i personally think otherwise i say buy the best at that moment that you can afford but you know be aware of the downfalls like a marples chisels or those lee valley you know high quality chisels that they're offering now the pmv 11s you know a 20 dollars marples is not going to compare to that hundred dollars of lee valley's pm 11s so maybe what you should do is buy a couple chisels from lee valley that you know you're going to use every single day or quite frequently and then go ahead and buy the marbles or whatever else you want to fill in between until you can afford it so for me i kind of would say you know buy a lot less you know really work on getting into social media much quicker really you should have your van already detailed and outlined with the business name you should have a lot more branding and more signage and You know, you should have invested into Google AdWords already and you should have not taken as many classes or, you know, considered things differently or taken other jobs instead of saying no because you're trying to do it on your own. You have to be aware of the risk and reward, you know, stay out of debt. And and partly if staying out of debt is buying less tools. So for me, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, wake up and smell the flowers or roses and realize that you don't need as much stuff as even today that I
0: have. Sounds like Freddie Romans in a Catch Twenty Two.
1: There, there has been times that it's kind of like you know, <laughs> what, the, you know, it was a year ago. I had six bandsaws across the hall. Why the hell do I have six bandsaws? Because obviously they're great to have. They're reasonable. I can't believe someone's going to sell this for thirty dollars. But then, in, then there is, then they're just sitting there across the hall. I mean, now I have to find someone who wants to buy them from me. So it's kind of like, just buy the best and just you know deal with it.
0: Maybe for the future, Freddie, you should work on that hoarder's gene you have.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the problem with hoarding is kind of like in restoration, it's like you need like every single darn scrap piece of wood that you can get. And, or you need, uh, you know, you need a lot more tools. Or if you get into finishing and restoration, you know, there's so much you have to invest. Versus, I get jealous, like with my old shopmate Will Neptune, all he did was furniture making. So he didn't need any of these spray guns or finishing equipment or you know touch up kits or anything like that. So the my, the more diverse you get into this craft, the more stuff you need, which is so frustrating.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Justin, what are you, what are you going to do to uh, further your education?
0: Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to further my education, but I would love to take some advanced classes in the future. Um, some veneering classes, I would love to do that. The the other thing is, just like you guy, there's really, uh, there's no schooling next door based for a better lack of a better word. Um, I'd like to work with some more local craftsmen around here just to see their techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I have a retired guy around town who came in the other day and he said something to me about how I was doing. He goes, "Oh, we just used to do it this way," and it, it, I my response to him was okay that's the way he used to do it but and i had a reasoning for what i was doing the way i was doing it. but either way it uh, there's things that that guy knows production wise that i could just learn from because he was a cabinet shop mm-hmm. i think that would be a great it's just a matter of that having the opportunity to do it um that's the hard part
2: as the world grows smaller because of the internet there's a lot more opportunities yeah. to do things you know you know, there's a lot of opportunities for, for education online, not just YouTube, but there are, you know, people that sell courses online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Freddie, you and I are separated by what, 1,500 miles? Mm-hmm. What's stopping, you know, you and me from having a, a FaceTime on our, our iPads and you teaching me a technique? Nothing. I mean, that can be done. So reaching out to people, you know, whether it's through social media, through forums or whatever, and just taking the time to ask them, you know, hey, can you help me with this? You know, there's a lot to be said for that, too.
0: Yeah, don't hesitate to ask questions without doubt, doubt. That's definitely out there, which I've never have ever hesitated in my life. If I need to know something, I would always ask somebody or just inquire about it, right? And And they might not teach me the way I want to learn it or thinking I need to learn it. But it might just allow my mind to think differently and figure out how I want to do something
1: today's world is totally different, I think than years ago. you know when I started in two thousand, everything was all secret and hush hush, and no the old timers didn't really want to share and and it became it's somewhat challenging for people you know if you're if someone who wanted to share with you did you then you're very lucky. but mm-hmm. you know everything was more secretive and what people don't understand the reason why it was so secretive is Because it was so stupid easy. It's like if it was hard, then they will more than likely share it with you and kind of smile and say, good luck. Here's the technique. But if it's really easy, they're like, I can't show you that. You know, this is – I worked hard for this. You know, and and there is obviously – there are times that, you know, it takes a lot of skill. But I think for the majority of things, it's just very basic techniques that by accident, most of them tripped over it and became very successful – in, in, in their methods today but unfortunately a lot of them don't want to share and today I know of several craftsmen who think that they're the best thing since sliced bread or their techniques are so secretive but really it's not and it's unfortunate that they don't want to share
0: Guy, what do you think Guy? What about you for the future?
2: Well I, I, I'd like to do some more classes um, when I did the the few classes I took at WIA um, it really opened my eyes you know not only from the 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 instruction from the instructor but the other people in the room you know after the class during the class there's a lot of good input and a lot of good questions and there's just a ton of good information that you don't normally get from reading a magazine article and I really enjoyed that so I think I'd like to take some classes on more project-based classes I think in the future Um, but one of the things I started doing probably I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years ago, was really taking myself out of my comfort zone. You know, I'd always done things a certain way and made furniture a certain way. And in the last 10 years or so, I've I've said, well, I'm not gonna do it this way anymore. I'm gonna try this new technique. I'm gonna try doing this, I'm gonna try doing that. And just, you know, challenging myself as a, as a craftsman or a builder or whatever the heck you wanna call yourself to try new things and to learn new techniques. Sure, it's going to take longer, it's going to be a slow process, but it's a good learning process too. And believe me, that's when you're going to make the most mistakes is when you're trying to do something new. Um, so that's, I think that's really what, I, what I'd what i like to do is start to do some more stuff with the, you know, for example, I've been doing a lot with bent laminations in the last, six or seven years and um, you know i see some of the stuff that some of these guys put out like um oh, like adrian ferrazutti some of the stuff he does with bent laminations and veneer it just it just blows my mind that stuff like that right. is is possible uh i'd really like to do some of that stuff so i guess just like i said just challenging yourself to try new things and you have to open yourself up for new design ideas along the way with that so
0: Guy, have you ever taken any? You, you, you said you took the class at WIA. Were they small classes or larger scale classes?
2: Well, the one I took with Alf Sharp, there was a lot of people. The one I took with uh, the two I took with uh, Freddie, there was almost nobody there. Okay. That was a joke. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> L- no, uh, now. Like yeah, um, those are those were pretty good classes. Um, there was a couple other classes I took I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh he made a cabrio leg with all the hand tools and that was pretty cool mm-hmm.
0: um, that was Dillinger
2: yeah that was his last name. and Zach, um,
0: Zach Dillinger yes.
2: yeah and um, those were those were more lecture style classes, and yeah. um I think. You know, I've talked to a lot of people that have taken a lot of classes that are hands-on classes where they do build projects and things. And I, I hear the same thing all the time, which is, you know, there's too many people in the class or mm-hmm. there's always one guy in the class that doesn't know which end of a screwdriver to use and monopolizes yep. the instructor's time and nobody else can learn anything because okay. it's not a lecture style class. It's like, you know, here's what we're going to do and go do it kind of thing and I'll help you along, but the instructor is nowhere to be found because he's always honed in on that one guy who like I said, doesn't know, shouldn't have been there in the first place. And that's always scared me. Um, but I like the lecture style class, that classes that I took at WI, I thought those were pretty cool because it's kind of a, you know, just open up your mind and and absorb the information, not necessarily just do it and it gave me a good chance to go home and try some of the stuff that I that I had learned there so yeah that that's
0: I wasn't thinking of it like that that's basically how I learned my whole life it was just a matter of watching and then then you have the opportunity to either do it or whatever you figure it out on your own but you saw how somebody else was doing it which is still how I learned to this day which is basically what YouTube is right (laughs) in a way um
1: yeah without trolls yeah
0: yeah that is very true <laughs> y
1: you, you know i I think a perfect example is uh you think you think about Steve Latta, for example, he's an instructor, he teaches at a college, he teaches twenty students at a time all year, yeah. you know ten months out of the year. I feel comfortable now taking a class from him, even at Mark Adams, who will fill it with fifteen or eighteen students with Steve because Steve knows how to you know control a twenty you know, student class, how to dictate, yeah. you know, different experiences, how to break things up in groups. So finding an instructor like that is very beneficial. So those yes. are the things to kind of just be aware of for, you know, certain yeah. classes if you decide to take.
2: And it's, it's unfortunate that they don't put that in the, in the course description that this instructor knows how to handle a large group of people. So like it's always scared me, yeah. and, I, and I guess I shouldn't be scared.
1: You know, one, one thing I do mm-hmm. notice is that Phil, Phil feels, very, feels very comfortable with that, you know, 10 to 12-inch, 12 12-student 12 range. It's one of the reasons, kind of, I believe that he left t- North Benetry School, because North Planetary School was wanting to get larger and bigger. And Phil doesn't feel comfortable with more than the kind of, like, 1-to-6 ratio or 1-to-10 ratio. You know, if you get too large, he feels guilty and feels that not enough of the students are getting their, his time or the proper education that they paid for.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, There's that pregnant pause. <laughs>
0: I have never heard that saying before. <laughs> you never heard that saying? No, no neither. No. no, and I can't use that little bit at the end either. <laughs> <laughs> that might get us the uh flag. <laughs> um. You want to I transition out? out? Yeah, I'm editing right here. Um. Did did we answer that question at the end of the future good enough? I'm not sure. I I think so. Okay. I
2: think I, think so. I did, boy.
1: <laughs> I think I
0: did. You, you talked your way through it, Don't worry. <laughs> Alright, you guys want to get into what we're, any recommendations or what we're listening to or talk about anybody else?
2: Sure. I've, I've, a couple days ago, I'm in the, in the, I was just sitting there in the morning watching some YouTube videos and I came across this guy. He's, he's a young guy. I believe he's in the UK. His name is Matt Estley. E S T L E A. And uh, I'm watching him build this thing called making a cognition which is a curved side and front wall shelf or a uh, wall case and uh, kid's really good huh. a real craftsman and really talks a lot about uh, you know spending his time to do things right i, I highly recommend it and I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes okay
0: yeah good uh, that looks interesting sounds interesting it does uh I'm going to tell you a podcast that I listened to today that I thought was pretty interesting. It it goes along the whole line of furniture making and everything, in a way. Um, It's Every Little Thing by Gimlet Media. And they did a podcast on plastic chairs. And it it was called Chairs Misunderstood. And it was about the origin of the white plastic chair you see at every single picnic. It was fairly interesting. Hmm. But... uh, just something that kind of ties in with what we do in a little different way. That's my recommendation. What about you, guys, Freddie? I'm sorry, Freddie. Uh,
1: my recommendation, because I'm a sucker for, you know, survival of the fittest almost, you can say, for businesses. I've been reading this book called Boss Life that I heard from a different podcast mentioned it. It's by Paul Downs. It's, uh, it was one of the Forbes best business book of the year. It came out in 2006, and uh, I think it's a great book because it explains Paul Downs, you know, individual who wants to open a business. He basically then gets somewhat successful. He opens it opens it up much bigger than where he first started. He started hiring employees, and he started figuring out like, oh crap, there's a lot more involved than what you may think. So it goes through like cash flows and taxes and the obstacles of running a, uh, a small business. So it's a great book. I'm pretty addicted to it. Uh, I, I'm loving it and I, I would highly recommend it.
0: Cool, oh, cool. All right. Do we want to tell everybody where we can be found at? Get, they can get a hold of us? Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt, they got the website, theatgpodcast.com. And then for there, you can find all of us if you need to. If, uh, Freddie, what is your. How you want people to get a hold of you?
1: The easiest and the most active is the. Instagram account, which is just period craftsmen, crafts with an S, men, M-E-N, E as in Edison. And there you will find my kind of everyday or almost everyday interactions of what's going on in the woodworking shop.
0: Good.
2: Guy? Yeah, and, and as always with me, if you just Google Guy's Woodshop, you'll get directed to my Instagram account or my um, YouTube channel or my website, and there's contact information and all that there and i'm very easily to get a very easy to get a hold of Good. what about you justin
0: if you guys want to get a hold of me through my email which is jd at Comcast dot net, shoot me some questions if you have any questions or you can find me on instagram uh justin underscore depama and anything else we need to let everybody know about guys
2: Well, I was going to say, if you have any questions or any ideas for future shows, you can email us at the atgpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Or, more importantly, we do have a Patreon page. So, we'd love to have people, uh, you know, sign up for that. And we have different levels and different things you can get for for being a patron. And uh, we really appreciate the help.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're, this isn't easy for us. It takes some time out of our schedules every week, and but do enjoy it. So, all right, guys. Um, see, I keep saying guys with guy here. It's all right. We're working on it. Have a good week. You too. To the next one.
2: You too, man. We'll see you guys later.